Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Satire has been cruelly and brutally bludgeoned to death. The Tories are proposing to hike taxes on big businesses that are profit-making, not least of all those big businesses that have directly profited from the pandemic. Now, you might expect Labour to go, way, here's an open door that we can push at. All of the arguments made by the Tories and their right-wing allies for more than a decade that slashing corporation tax actually increases tax revenues, that it more than pays for itself. But in the short run, there's no doubt that massive hikes in corporation tax would be very damaging. Those arguments have been completely and utterly discredited. And they can say this is a great opportunity to start a far-reaching conversation far, far further than the Tories are ever prepared to go about how we get those at the top of society who are booming like never before to pay a fair share of tax to create the just and fair society that we all deserve. If you thought that was a no-brainer, you're going to be gutted because Labour have announced their passionate opposition to increasing corporation tax and specifically to a windfall tax on those companies that have profited from the pandemic. In doing so, the Labour Party places themselves to the right of the Tory Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, to the right of Joe Biden's administration in the United States, which has proposed plans to increase corporation tax. Would raise the and raise billions of dollars, raise the corporate tax rate from 20 to 28 percent. They are to the right of public opinion. According to the polls, over two-thirds of the British population support increasing corporation tax. And as you'd expect, that support is even firmer and larger amongst Labour voters. Now, what the hell is Labour's reasoning for this? Now, they claim that this would strangle the economic recovery. And privately, Keir Starmer's allies say they are still committed to increasing taxes on those at the top. But Labour's reasoning doesn't make any sense whatsoever. When the Shadow Foreign Secretary, Lisa Nandy, went on national television to defend this indefensible policy, she argued that it would threaten the future of struggling businesses. I think it's absolutely right to look at how you pay for this, but the best way that you can pay down the debt is to make sure that you don't rack up more debt right now. And if you have mass unemployment, if you have businesses going to the wall, mm. then that is exactly what you're going to see. Apparently not understanding that corporation tax only applies to profit. If a company is not making profit, then corporation tax doesn't apply to them. And in any case, there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that keeping corporation tax low actually increases investment. This is just trickle-down economics being peddled of all parties by the Labour Party. And if Labour is genuinely committed to still increasing taxes on those at the top of society, then why the hell aren't they making, at least now, a passionate argument about why that has to happen? Now, I really think this is a very, very good opportunity to remind ourselves 
what labor is actually for. More than a century ago, capital, or big business if you will, had two political parties to defend its interests. They were known as the conservatives and the liberals. And the mass democratic movement of working people collectively organizing to improve their own lot, otherwise known as the trade union movement, decided that working people deserved a political voice of their own. That became the party of Labour, the Labour Party, which could challenge the vested interests at the top of society in whose interests all of society was systematically rigged. Now, Keir Hardy was the first leader of the Labour Party. The current leader, Keir Starmer, is actually named after him. And Keir Hardy turned up for the first time as a member of parliament and he was stopped at the gates by a police officer who said, are you here to work on the roof? And he said, no, I'm here to work on the floor. And so began a new generation of parliamentarian who saw it as their sacred responsibility, their duty to champion the interests of working people against those who exploited them. Now, in those days, people were more likely to work in docks, in steelworks, in mines, in factories as personal servants. These days, working people are more likely to, to toil to work in supermarkets or call centres or in offices. But working people still need a political voice now as much as they ever did. Four decades after the Labour Party was founded, as Britain and its allies faced down the Nazis, Labour said that when we win the war, we've got to win the peace. And they positioned themselves as uniquely placed to cure the injustices that didn't just scar British society, but defined it. And from the rubble of a battered nation, they built the welfare state. They built the National Health Service. They brought utilities and industries under the public ownership of the people of this country. They had imagination. They had courage. They showed leadership. In our current national emergency, Labour should be showing the same courage and the same leadership. Now, it's true that within the Labour Party, there are always those embedded elements who are completely and utterly opposed to any transformative change that would challenge the vested interests at the top. The leaked Labour Party report last year revealed that senior Labour officials thought that anyone to the left of Gordon Brown, in their own words, were trots. And they said that they saw trots as a bigger enemy than Tories. Now, these people, this particular faction, who cut their teeth in student politics and psychologically have never left, they want to purge what they regard as the trots from the Labour Party. Now, they're obsessed with this speech by Neil Kinnock in 1985, where he railed against militant who were actually genuine Trotskyists, I should know. My parents were members. But they want to kick out, not just Trots, there are very few Trotskyists in Britain today, but anyone on the left who wants a genuinely transformative government. Here's another illustration. Within the Parliamentary Labour Party, there are those genuinely sincere, committed MPs who want a better society and life for their constituents. There are also those who see it as a gravy train. There's this revolving door between those who become Labour MPs and end up working in lucrative private businesses, exploiting the, the links and connections that they established within Parliament. There were also those, as an example, 
who abroad have no commitment whatsoever to the most elementary, fundamental, basic rights of humanity. One of the biggest rebellions against Jeremy Corbyn by Labour MPs was by those who opposed Labour taking a stance against the Saudi-led war on Yemen, which has reduced that country to the worst humanitarian catastrophe on earth. Indeed, some of those Labour MPs have actually gone on paid junkets, along with Tory MPs, at the expense of the Saudi dictatorship, where they've even lauded the Saudi regime. I'll give one example. One Labour MP cooed that he had seen a modern progressive Saudi Arabia that has totally changed my view of this country. How utterly, morally, and politically bankrupt do you have to be to become a cheerleader for a Saudi dictatorship that carpet bombs children, that decapitates gay people and dissidents, that subjugates women, that exports international terrorism, and yet those Labour MPs exist, and that underlines that they are a hostile bloc fundamentally opposed to transformative change either here or abroad. Now, when Keir Starmer became leader of the Labour Party, he committed to defending the transformative domestic priorities of the Corbyn period, like hiking corporation tax and taxes on the well-to-do, like common ownership, like scrapping tuition fees, like defending the rights of migrants, like no more illegal wars and support for a green industrial revolution. Above all else, he promised to maintain the overall political direction established by the Corbyn leadership back in 2015. Yeah. The fundamental shift in our policy from 2015 to 2017 and then to 2019 to a more radical politics was the right fundamental shift. Big issues like being a party of anti-austerity, being a party that wants to invest in our public services and in manufacturing. Really important shifts and I'm very concerned that as we move forward we don't either trash the last Labour government or trash the last four years. But Labour no longer seems to have any coherent vision whatsoever. Instead, they defer to focus groups of those who voted Conservative in 2019. Now, of course, focus groups have an important role. They should inform your political vision. They shouldn't become a substitute for your political vision. That's not leadership. That's followership. And indeed, focus groups can only take you so far as Derek Draper, one of the founders of New Labour, himself so eloquently put it. The point about focus group politics is that there isn't one because people are contradictory and irrational. And so you have a problem in terms of deciding what you're going to do if all you do is actually listen to a mass of individual opinions that are forever fluctuating and don't really have any coherence and crucially are not set in context. Now, those focus groups tell Labour, don't play politics during a pandemic. If we were to rewind back to the financial crash, back to focus groups run by the Conservatives, there is no question, no question at all, that they would have told the Tories, don't play politics during the financial emergency. But the Tories had a very different approach. Instead, they crafted a narrative that the reason Britain was in a calamitous state was because Labour had spent too much money, despite the fact the Tories had backed Labour spending pound for pound. And that stuck. I've just got a really simple question. Yeah. Do you accept that when Labour was last in power, it overspent? Because the Tories realised you don't just repeat back to focus groups what they tell you. 
you have the power to create the political weather. Now, because Labour haven't had that approach, and they don't have to be dishonest, they can just tell the truth, the Labour Party has let the Tories get away with one of the most catastrophic handlings of the pandemic on the face of the earth. One of the worst death tolls, one of the worst death rates, one of the worst economic hits on the face of the planet. It's this political and moral bankruptcy that led the Labour Party to refuse to oppose Tory legislation allowing undercover police officers to rape, to torture and to murder. Now, whatever New Labour's multiple failings, and they are multiple, in the late 1990s, they did actually offer policies, modest however they were, but they did help people's lives, which the Tories opposed. Like the minimum wage. Like a windfall tax on privatised utilities. Like gay rights. Like devolution. But this time round, these Tories today, who are clever and wily, will appropriate any modest tinkering policies that the Labour Party offers. Unless Labour is willing to offer policies that actually transform society, that actually challenge those with wealth and power, then they won't be able to offer any distinct alternative to the Tories at all. And if they can't do that, then what the hell is the point of voting for them? In our last major national emergency, Labour showed courage imagination, leadership. Today's Labour Party is missing an action. It has abdicated its most basic responsibilities to champion the interests of the very people it was founded to represent, to offer a compelling vision of a new society, just and equal, with all the wealth and all the resources and all the talent that exists in this country to build that society. That just isn't good enough. And if they're failing to offer leadership and an alternative and to hold the Tories to account, then we have to show leadership instead. We have to build pressure from below to drag the Labour Party, kicking and screaming if needs be, to do its job, to offer hope and optimism and a vision of a society that we all deserve. It's up to every single one of us. Because if we don't do it, no one else will. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.